I'm Richard McKenna, Sheriff Richard Roundtree. You're listening to Making a Difference with Ken Maker. You're about to witness the power of straight knowledge. Welcome to the first liberated episode of Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. Of all the things that one could hear, you decided to give me your ear and you have my respect. Shout out to the online movement and everyone who's involved. I want to let you know that Making a Difference is being brought to you by the Medical Villa Pharmacy on 1520 Laney Marker Boulevard in Augusta, Georgia. If you're looking for an affordable health care and a pharmacy that you can trust, look no further than Medical Villa Pharmacy 706 722 Also want to shout out TaxWise Financial at 2664 Tobacco Road in Hepzibah, Georgia. A professional and affordable representation. TaxWise Financial is the wise choice for all your tax needs. 706-305-1412. 706-305-1412. Man, I'm so grateful to be here with you guys right now. I know, look, I left you guys waiting. <laughs> Um, for so, you know, for so long, I know everyone has, you know, been wondering, you know, where's making a difference? Where's making a difference? And we're at the Timberland. Uh, how did it go on? Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think about the track by Aaliyah. Uh, he, he said, it's been, uh, been a long time. We shouldn't have left you, uh, without a dope beat to step to. And that's how I feel about MAD, but we're back, uh, back in full effect, uh, in the podcast game. I want, want you guys to stay tuned, uh, to SoundCloud. Uh, also to YouTube, here's how we're going to do it. We're going to do the uh, throwback making a difference episodes, if you will, on YouTube. We're continually posting those. Uh, continue to uh, to check on the uh, making a difference channel on YouTube, and I will update those for, uh, update as as we continue to update. And in the meantime, the new episodes are going to be on SoundCloud. And we'll have all that information for you. Let me uh, let you know how to directly get to those pages. You can go to Facebook.com backslash making a difference show again that is facebook.com backslash making m-a-k-i-n-a difference d-i-f-f-e-r-e-n-c-e show s-h-o-w and that's how you can continue to listen in to making a difference uh we're doing this uh, on sunday sunday afternoon sunday evening so by the time you get ready to step out for work uh you should have or or rather you uh, should be listening to this podcast if you know you're listening to a little later it's all good you know, got nothing but love for you. I'm going to talk, you know, about Augusta Richmond County politics, which is, you know, what we do on Making a Difference. We talk about politics, talk about news, health and wellness. Uh, you know, we're going to uh, give you some insight about what I'm going to do with sports. But first, uh, I want to talk about Straight Outta Compton. I had a chance to see Straight Outta Compton uh, this past weekend with my wife. To me, it's a triumph on a lot of levels. Um, before I, I jump into the movie itself, I'm, I really want to remark upon the outside forces hating on this movie. And I'm, I'm going to be open and direct about it because let's face it. And let me do this first. I want to shout out uh, WKZK, the KZK family. That's really where, you know, making a difference. I really jumped off in the Augusta area, not only uh, in the Augusta area. And I might as well go ahead and say this now, you know, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Augusta, Richmond County and around the world. That's really how this thing got started. Uh, you know, going from Augusta and, you know, a lot of you all listening in from, I mean, literally all over the country, California, People checking in. We got people checking in in Florida. Uh, you know, we have people checking in in Kansas, just all over the place. I understand we had some guys checking in from uh, overseas, you know, some folks out of Norway. So that's <laughs> uh, just, you know, really, really blessed. But uh, saying all that to say, hey, I'm a free agent now. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to empty the clip and tell it like it is. <clears throat> Hollywood doesn't want black movies to do well. There, I said it. That was easy. That's why you heard the piece 
leading up to uh, Straight Outta Compton, the uh, the opening weekend, you hear about uh, movie theaters, uh, quote unquote, beefing up security. And then you kind you kind of get the double talk where people are saying, well, you know, you had all these shootings, uh, you know, you had these shootings in Tennessee, and I uh, had uh, all, all this type of gibberish. <clears throat> but I had a, ch- a chance to uh, to share a meme uh, on my personal Facebook page and add a, a picture of President Barack Obama, kind of giving a little the side eye, kind of the you can't be serious face, you know, saying how black folk aren't the ones shooting up movie theaters. And I, I mean, look, I, I I had to chuckle about that. It uh it it really. Uh, did straight out of Compton, <clears throat> excuse me, did straight out of Compton a huge disservice when you put all this, you know, uh, rhetoric and, you know, the, the illusion of the theaters not being safe because of, uh, because of their history and some of the things that they sung about and use that as a means of, you know, just, uh, just discrediting their effort, not only discrediting their efforts, but discrediting the movie. Uh, but, and, Ultimately, it presented a situation where Straight Outta Compton actually ended up being in uh, a thousand less theaters. I understand that uh, I want to say twelve hundred theaters uh, didn't show Straight Outta Compton. You know, traditionally you have a, a nationwide release. Uh, you know, er- everybody has the movie available, but twelve hundred theaters um, did not uh, make that investment. And so, but you know, despite all of these, um, all of these challenges. You know all of these uh, obstacles. Straight Outta Compton still made fifty-four million dollars opening weekend. I understand they, I think they cleared twenty-five million on on opening night. Uh, that was the fifty-four million dollar opening weekend, and I I would venture to say that by the time it's all said and done, they would probably be holding around sixty, maybe maybe even sixty-five. Because I I mean I I saw people at the theaters coming out seeing in droves. Uh, you know, in, in every, I, I haven't heard a bad thing about this movie yet. So, uh, the $54 million, if, and that's the original projection, that would be better than Mission Impossible and Ant-Man. If I'm not mistaken, Ant-Man, the, the Marvel movie, which I thoroughly enjoyed that movie as well. Hey, I saw Mission Impossible. All those movies were, uh, were great movies. But just to see NWA or a bi- um, biopic about NWA, uh, stick it to the man. I'm loving it. Because <laughs> I mean, let's face it, NWA has been sticking it to the man uh, since their magnum opus about the police. Now, there's some words you know I might not say, but y'all know the song. <laughs> but even now, there's still um, there's some sabotage uh, coming straight out of Universal uh, theaters nationwide that pack extra security heat for screenings of Straight Outta Compton will be reimbursed by Universal Pictures. Uh, the studio announced ahead of the film's release. The studio has not solicited enhanced security for theaters who will begin showing it this weekend, but has partnered with those exhibitors who have requested support for their locations, a Universal spokesperson told Variety. I believe that's a magazine. The film, which opened Friday, tells the story of the California rap group NWA, who rose to fame and ruffled the FBI in the late 80s with incendiary anthems like F the Police. Uh, Universal didn't specify a reason for a security deal. But one expert suggested some fans might agree all too strongly with the band's contempt for cops. Uh, uh, Tom DeLucas, the president of the National Cinema Security, told Reuters that, uh, quote, police don't come out in a good light in the film and there is a feeling in the country that is anti-police and anti-establishment and crowds are affected by movies. It's a bunch of rhetoric. It's a bunch of gibberish. Let's call this thing what it is. It's, it's really sabotage on all fronts, not only speaking from Universal, uh, but also from uh, this Tom DeLuca character. Now, I understand, hey, Universal put out the movie. You know, they they want the movie to do it as well as possible. And some people may say, well, hey, Universal, you know, wanted to uh, appease some of these theaters. But 
But to me, it just comes off as stereotypical and it comes off as racist for Universal to make this move. It just goes to show, you know, you, you know, we, we work and we strive uh, as a community, you know, to, I mean, to not, not only support African-American uh, movies in general, but really, you know, in, in terms of, of just speaking to, you know, have, having our story told honestly, um, open, uh, openly and with authenticity. And I'll say this about uh, Straight Outta Compton. I mean, it, it told a story, told a story very comprehensively. And I'm I'm proud to have seen it. I'm proud that uh, this uh, this story was uh, was was told in, in the fashion that it was. And all in all, I think the movie was a masterpiece. They missed one part. I would have loved to have seen the actual Dre and Easy E beef. Uh, that's speaking, of course, about Dr. Dre uh, with the Dre Day record, uh, Dre and Snoop, and then <clears throat> uh, the Easy E beef. You know, uh, real Compton City G's. Uh, that is not a part of the movie. Don't mean to spoil that for anybody, but uh, it, look, there's there's still enough when you look at uh, Ice Cube's beef with N.W.A., uh, Dr. Dre, you know, eventually defecting from N.W.A. and you know signing with Death Row, all of that's in there. It, it, it's all in all, it's a it's a great work. If you ask me who the MVPs of the movie were, I'd have to say Ice Cube's son uh, and Ice Cube's story, uh, the way that they told it. You really got a chance to see Ice Cube's vision and his business sense, and I. As much as I love music, as much as I love hip hop, and and you know, a, a modest historian of hip hop, uh, I really you know hadn't had a chance to really look at Ice Cube's story. And I mean, the extent that I seen Ice Cube, you know, was the Friday movies and you know different things like that, and a very versatile and obviously talented individual. But just to see his business sense and uh, the fact that you know he he wasn't going to take. Uh, not getting, you know, what he deserved, understanding that, you know, Q wrote most of the lyrics for NWA. And, you know, he left a group saying, hey, you know, uh, if, if you're not going to pay me, then then I'm gone. And it was understandable and, as near as I can tell, mostly uh, amicable until, you know, NWA jumped out on some tracks. And I don't know if that was a, a Jerry Heller move or what, but, man, Ice Cube snapped back, and y'all know, y'all know the record, no Vaseline. But um, I'll say the same thing with Dr. Dre. Uh, in the aftermath, no pun intended, okay, I lied, pun intended, uh, of his work with Death Row Records. Uh, you got a chance to see, and, and obviously Dre, you know, uh, helping to broker that deal with Apple, uh, with the uh, Beats headphones. You really got to see Cuban Dre as, I'm, I'm, I'm just, they're, uh, the level of savvy, business savvy, is really inspirational. And I think more than anything um, that came out of this movie, and I'm, and I'm just speaking for myself, of course, but... That's what I really took from the movie is you had these young men who, you know, overcame uh, the adversity, uh, not only the adversity of, of you know, their, their neighborhood and their upbringing, um, but even when they became famous, you know, overcame some of the, uh, the struggles that come with success, were able to think on the fly. And you look at them now. I mean, Ice Cube, masterful producer, actor, just versatile. Uh, Dre, as I mentioned, just... Uh, really a, a, a music mogul, an entertainment mogul um, in, in so many ways. Uh, Dr. Dre in, has influenced uh, just some of the great uh, great acts of our day. When you look at Eminem, 50 Cent, Kendrick Lamar, I mean, these, uh, these individuals are influenced by uh, this music group and so, so, so many other acts that 
you know, I have not mentioned. But all in all, just very impressed uh, with how this movie was presented, I must say. Want to continue on. Um, and, you know, in, in, in talking about uh, this movie, and let me and let me say this, because I heard some commentary today, and I do think this is an important part of the discussion. Uh, you had a, there was a, some commentary about did NWA destroy hip hop and had a chance. I want to shout out Honors English. As a matter of fact, Honors English, to me, in engaging this conversation on his Facebook pages, I think, and I believe this is his personal Facebook page, but Honors English, uh, great uh, um, uh, rapper, teacher out of, he's a, I believe he's a New Jersey native, but he uh, currently resides in Tallahassee. As a matter of fact, I believe he's not mistaken, he's a teacher at uh, Tallahassee Community College. He was at, at one juncture. But uh, honors, uh, open up discussion, uh, sharing some commentary about did NWA destroy hip-hop. And here's what uh, the commentator or the writer said. He said, the real story of NWA goes more like this. During a period in the late 80s when rap artists like Public Enemy and Boogie Down Productions were succeeding in getting a nation of millions to stop selling crack, and to stop killing each other, out of nowhere a group of rappers came along and destroyed the foundation that they were building and leaving as their legacy the broken bodies and shattered dreams of millions of black men and grieving mothers. For those of us who were fortunate enough to live through the Reagan-Bush era, we know the truth. The problems facing African Americans in 2015 are no different from the problems that we faced during the 80s with police brutality, white-on-black violence, black-on-black violence, and so forth. And just like during the 80s when black political awareness was rising, here comes NWA again to lower the intelligence bar and turn potential revolutionists into apolitical thugs. I must admit, the way the music industry used NWA was wickedly brilliant. While Public Enemy was trying to save black lives, they created a group to destroy them. So NWA's two politically aware songs served only as a Trojan horse to bring people into the real M agenda, prophetizing the destruction of the black community. Matter of fact, N.W.A. did not even deny the nefarious plot to overthrow conscious hip-hop with gangsterism. They bragged about it. And that's an excerpt of that commentary. How do I feel about it? There's a, there's a certain duality that I feel about it. because and I, and, and I will speak to the affirmative of this mindset, of this idea that N.W.A. helped to destroy hip-hop. There's a period of time, and I'll just say a period of time in black entertainment, you know, around this time, late 80s, early 90s, where, you know, you had uh, this music, you had these movies that were such a shift in the culture, uh, and, and it can be argued for the worse. You look at movies like Boys in the Hood. Now, everybody, look, boy, everybody loves Boys in the Hood. You know, you think about the, the scene, the iconic scene with Morris Chestnut, everybody's, Ricky! Okay, we know. But you look at movies like Boys in the Hood. You look at movies like Menace to Society, which was crazy by all counts. And did these movies do more to help the culture or take away from the culture? And it can be argued. But here's the sign of it that I'm going to address. And here's the sign of it that I'm, I'm really going to engage in the spirit of this discussion. And that is, you, you can't pick and choose. When it comes to stories of um, urban communities of low socioeconomic background and, and, and limited opportunities. And these are the stories 
that come out of these situations. Now, on the one hand, you sit up here and you know you can say, okay, tell me what's going on in your neighborhood. Tell me about your experiences. But then people tell you about these experiences and they're raw, they're raw, they're raw, they're rugged and they're real. You know, oh, that's too much. That's too much. That's too much. And that's what I see here in some ways. I believe with this commentary about NWA, this kind of Monday morning quarterbacking. But then it goes even deeper because you have this notion, this idea that this this brand of hip hop was the destruction of the entire culture was the destruction of, of the entire black culture. And you have to forgive me if it doesn't sound like this right-wing uh, uh, Republican rhetoric where you have people like, you know, like your Geraldos and these Fox News cats saying, well, man, uh, hip-hop is uh, hip hop is the reason for the degradation of, of, of the black community. No, of course it's not. Hip-hop and the things that are said in hip-hop are symptomatic of society of the disparities in society, of the greed in society, and this is the lashing out. Now, hip-hop in its origin, um, those those messages were told, you know, and some, some could argue a, a more profound way, in a, a more of a way that promoted, you know, the, the teaching aspect of hip-hop. But to me, at no point um, was it a matter of those options not being available. If anything, what you have is, you have record companies, you have uh, the big bosses in entertainment, if you will, who said, we're going to popularize it, we're going to monetize it, this brand of hip-hop, and we're going to make this the culture. And it's a lot of what we're seeing today, to the point now where the uh, entertainment entertainment industry has almost made a caricature of hip-hop. Uh, when, you look at certain, when you look at certain artists, and I'm, I mean artists of... Of all of look of of, of of all gender, all race, um, all social economic background, you know, people who are well off, who you know can put a grill in their mouth and oh, they're part of the culture now. I mean, we we see it all the time. But am I to trace that? Am I to trace that back to NWA? Absolutely not. Not gonna do it. I'm not gonna allow that to be done to hip hop because hip hop at its essence is about storytelling. Uh, hip hop at its essence is about telling you about my situation and about what's going on um, in my world with authenticity and if and unfiltered if need be and being told unapologetically. You know, we look at, and I'm just going to talk about just, just our community in general. You know, we, we love people who are honest with us. We love people who tell it like a T.I. tis. But those those individuals are, are polarizing for us when they get to things that make us uncomfortable. And I think that's that's what's happening here with NWA. Because what NWA is has done and continues to do is to turn a critical eye to police. And it's it's hitting too close to home for some people because you have some people, despite the fact, with all of the the um the names and the occurrences with police and how they're look taking uh, taking lives away, and I mean, look, taking lives away of all races, but disproportionately taking lives, um, the lives of African American men. And so, you know, you have this group, and the last thing you want to do is, is is give people a voice. The last thing you want to do is give people, you know, uh, motivation to say, hey, 
down with the establishment. So, you know, I, I look at it from this side, but let me, let me just go back to uh, the, 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 the conversation about hip hop. Because say what you want to say about NWA, but NWA has, or NWA is representative of the forefathers of one of the most, and I would argue the most introspective cat in hip hop today, and that's Kendrick Lamar. And so you could, you know, take a fine tooth comb to Kendrick Lamar's commentary. And you could say, well, he says the N-word too much. And he, you know, he does this too much. He talks about women like this too much. And you could do that. And you could break him down as an individual. Or you could break down his lyrics um, in, in, in a similar fashion. But the summation of what Kendrick Lamar is trying to address, and, and most recently on To Pimp a Butterfly, is to talk about racial disparity, is to talk about issues about self-esteem, is to talk about relationships between men and women, is to talk about um, African-American culture and how it can be destructive, but how it can be constructive. And just looking at To Pimp a Butterfly um, as, a, as a concept album, as an idea, as this continuing uh, evolution of black culture, almost, you know, from the, from the caterpillar to the butterfly. And the duality of the caterpillar and the butterfly is, is masterful. It's genius in every way. I, I really use that album as a litmus test to understand, you know, when I engage, you know, people in conversations about hip hop and conversations about really our community. And I say, you know, what do you think about the album? And people that say they don't like it. I mean, you have your taste in music and I respect that. But by and large, man, I kind of, I kind of look at you and I shake my head and I look like I love everybody. But if you say black lives matter and you say you love hip hop and you can't get into that album. And even even the part of it wherein you say, you know, the, the instrument, uh, I can't get into the live instrumentation. Man, you got to understand the, the roots of hip hop and, and where hip hop comes from. You know, the, the jazz background, the funk background, that's the stuff that brought hip hop. I mean, one of the coolest things about and going back to the movie, um, straight out of Compton. You're introduced to Dr. Dre and Dre is, has these headphones on and he's laying on all of these vinyl records. And you see names like, Roy Ayers. If you haven't heard of Roy Ayers, get Roy Ayers in your life right now. Do that. Make that happen. Uh, Roy Ayers, uh, a tear to a smile. It's my favorite joint from Roy Ayers, man. But love Roy Ayers. You see uh, Parliament Funkadel. You know, you're seeing um, Daz and just, you know, all of these great acts from, you know, the 70s and the, um, and the early 80s. And those acts um, influencing Dr. Dre. I, man, I, <laughs> and, and, and so, and so you're seeing, you know, you're, you're seeing these influences and these things building, building on themselves. And to me, that's hip hop. Now it's, it's like this. I look at hip hop and I really look at the, I'll just call it the African American experience, understanding all things considered how we were brought to this country, the conditions we were subjected to in this country the continuing struggle for civil rights and the continuing struggle for progress and comparatively speaking when you look at hip-hop the continuing struggle to tell the story of the ghetto the continuing story of trying to tell you know the story of people who are just looking for a piece of the pie and all things considered man i'm proud i'm proud to be african-american i'm proud of the experience there are some parts of it that yeah we can we can weed out we can weed out we can cut out, but by and large, there's there's a triumph that needs to be told. And the great thing about NWA and what was presented in this piece um, was that 
uh, there was a triumph here. Uh, there's there's a tragedy, of course, of Easy E, but even you know Easy E and some of what he left behind uh, with his, I believe this is late wine. She was a part. She was one of the producers in the movie. So so we're seeing these individuals come out, come out of that situation, and now they're creating opportunities for others. Uh, they're they're they own their own business. They are entrepreneurs, and that's something to, that I believe as we transition as a community, um, as we tr- transition as a society, we got to get some some uh some entrepreneurship and uh and get in the spirit of entrepreneurship gonna uh gonna want to do that um in some later broadcasts what well, got a shout out my man uh, earl gray summers Earl gray summers obviously a, a great friend of making a difference but i want you i really want you guys to listen into his track organized money because he talks about that extensively and talks about the black dollar and that's an important piece of the conversation you know i think about just all of us you know how we you know uh, jobs and you know self-employment and you know d- this and that and getting out of debt and all these things and understanding how economic influence is so profound you can march and there's a place for marching and that's important you know in the tradition of civil rights but now more than ever people respect the dollar more than they respect anything else and is that an indictment of society absolutely but you it's also an acknowledgement of what it's going to take to see some of the profound changes that uh, we want to see in society i know that i know that was a lot but that's that's what we do here making a difference man i just i really try to outline things just societally also holistically um to be you know just to be real and to be open um and and to be honest and that's that's what we got on making a difference gotta get ready to take a break here uh when we come back i want to share a health and wellness piece with you uh very excited about that got uh, some various information uh some natural uh, remedies for for pain and also some revelatory things about untreated STDs. So I'm going to share that with you after we come back. No integration without representation. Special dedication to a better situation. The name of this song is Organized Money. Already organized. No integration. The name of this song is Organized Money. My black money goes, 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 my black money goes. Black groceries goes and black brand clothes. My black money goes, 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 my black money goes. From black entertainment to black on banking. My black money goes, my black money goes to foes who don't want me in their clothes. Who claim we're all the same when I'm flaming hot, but won't fight by my side when I'm aiming shots. Okay, all lies. Matter, but my average net worth means I often get served and get slammed head first. And the cameras get my bad side when my next turn. But you say he must have had it coming when I get hurt. So black lives matter, it's set apart the way they wanted and treated us from the very start. We're not counting on America to get a heart. Racial profiling, they still scared of the dark. We're not counting on America to get ahead. Cause education will kill hatred. Give us a real nation. Gotta give us credit. Black people be real patient. Dollar circulation, Billy Paul, we still facing. My black money goes, 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 my black money goes. Black hair and beauty, black health and wellness. My black money goes, 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 my black money goes. Black authors and writers, black franchises. Integration is an illusion because we only integrate to the consumers. So now blacks spend their money in the mainstream. And all the mainstream 
really does excuse us. One nation under God, indivisible. Until we start talking dividends and residuals. Till we start talking privileges and pigeonholes. Hip hop international, the ghetto still miserable. They want our corn rolls for a gimmick. We make the market move with our image. They want our music and their commercials. Cause we're the cool kids, nothing personal. The prisons and the schools got a pipeline for individuals who got skin like mine. But let one of our kids put out a hit song and they'll be trying to learn to dance and trying to write rhymes. Black culture, black people, that's the package deal. Black culture, black people, that's the package deal. We know they love our style, we know they love to steal. But black culture, black people, that's the package deal. The most hated by the masses with the mass appeal. Known for making America keep the facts real. Now they want to water down slavery but keep the rebel flag on the field. Imagine how we blacks feel. My black money goes, 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 my black money goes. Black grocery stores and black brand clothes. My black money goes, 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 my black money goes. From black entertainment to black owned banking. My black money flows like petroleum, black dollars. Let's talk about controlling them. Man shot, woman shot, little boy shot, little girl shot by a SWAT, that's a boycott. Little boy with a toy got shot by a cop. I should see black lives matter everywhere I shop. If not, watch me take my money to the mom and pop. Show me what I'm worth, but watch me make a black dollar stop. Collar pop, I don't shop where I'm not wanted, or where I'm wanted for a crime I didn't commit. Follow me around the store when I'm innocent. I say make it rain on strictly black owned businesses. I say make it rain on strictly black owned businesses. Keep the money close to home, watch it feel interest, considering the swag that this country stole from blacks. Nothing wrong with spending money where the money comes back. You want change? You want change? Where's your money? Where's your money? You want change? Then where's your money going? You want change? Where's your money? Where's your money? You want change? Black people, where's your money going? You want change? Where's your money? Where's your money? You want change? Where's your money? Where's your money? Where's your money? Want change? Black people, where's your money going? You want change? Where's your money going? My black money goes, 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 my black money goes. Black hair and beauty, black health and wellness. My black money goes, 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 my black money goes. Black authors and writers, black franchises. My black money goes, 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 my black money goes. Black grocery stores and black brand clothes. My black my black money goes, 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 my black money goes. From black entertainment to black on banking, yeah, show me the black money, black colleges, that's where the knowledge is. Hey yo, we gotta stop rocking clothes when the blacks don't pose. Uh, Dallas, Texas, the black tech sector. Uh, when black lives matter, all lives get better. Welcome back to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. So glad you're listening in uh, on SoundCloud. Yep, we changed the game. Uh, we're presenting the show to you online. About to jump into a health and wellness piece. have three great um, informational pieces for you, starting with uh, pelvic inflammatory disease. What is um, PID? Left untreated, uh, it's a condition that can actually cause infertility. Uh, untreated sexually transmitted uh, diseases, or STDs, can cause PID, a serious condition in women. Uh, one in eight women with a history of PID 
experience difficulties getting pregnant. That's scary stuff. Uh, you can prevent PID if you know how to protect yourself. What is PID? It's an infection of a woman's reproductive organs. It's a complication often caused by some STDs such as chlamydia and gonorrhea. Uh, other infections that are not sexually transmitted can also cause PID. Uh, here's how you, um, how you could get it. Uh, you're more likely to get PID if you, uh, for the first thing, if you have an STD and do not get treated. Also, if you have more than one sex partner, uh, if you, or if you have a sex partner who has sex partners other than you, uh, or if you've had PID before, uh, if you're sec sexually active and are age 25 or younger, um, also if you douche, and also if you use an intrauterine device or an IUD for birth control. Man, uh, how can one reduce uh, the risk of getting PID? Uh, the only way to avoid it entirely is to not have uh, any types of uh, sex. If you're sexually active, you can do the following things to lower your chances of getting PID. Uh, it encourages a, a long-term mutually monogamous relationship with a partner who has been tested and has negative STD test results. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, also, and this, I'm, I'm looking at this thing, y'all, and it's really scary because there are no tests for PID. Um, a diagnosis is usually based on a combination of medical history, physical exam, and other test results. Uh, you may not realize you have PID because your symptoms may be mild, or you may not experience any symptoms. Uh, however, if you do have symptoms, you may notice pain in your lower abdomen, fever, uh, unusual discharge with bad odor, um, pain or bleeding uh, during sexual intercourse, uh, burning sensation um, where you urinate, and bleeding between periods. Uh, if you're concerned, uh, the first thing you do is absolutely be examined by your doctor if you notice any of these symptoms. Uh, promptly see a doctor if you think you or your partner have or were exposed to an STD. Uh, promptly see a doctor uh, if you have general symptoms such as the ones I've mentioned, uh, usual sore, uh, smelly discharge, different things like that. Um, also get a test for chlamydia every year if you're sexually active and are 25 years of age or younger. Also have an honest and open talk with your healthcare provider if you're sexually active and ask whether you should be tested for other STDs. Just want to be very open about this thing, particularly uh, since we had the earlier conversation about uh, straight out of Compton. Uh, for those of y'all who are familiar with the story of NWA, know very well about uh, the, the life and legacy of Eric Easy E. Wright, um, who was taken from us uh, way too soon uh, because of AIDS. And if you know the story about NWA, and I mean, some of that was uh, portrayed in the movie, they were very. Um, sexually promiscuous uh, when they were on tours and different things like that and you know those things you you hate to see those things type of things catch up um, but barely uh, that was the case of what happened with easy e uh, there's a, a cautionary tale obviously with with that as well going back to pid can it be cured uh, if pid is diagnosed early it can be treated uh, however treatment won't undo any damage that has already happened to your reproductive system uh, the longer you wait to get treated the more likely it is that you will have complications from pid while taking antibiotics, your symptoms may go away before the infection is cured. Uh, even if symptoms do go away, you should finish taking all of your medicine. Uh, be sure to tell uh, your recent sex partner or partner so they can get tested and treated for STDs as well. Um, it is also very important that you and your partner both finish your treatment before having any kind of sex so you don't reinfect each other. Uh, you can get PID again if you get infected with an STD again. Also, if you've had it before, you have a higher chance of getting it again. If you don't get treated. Uh, if diagnosed and treated early, uh, the complications of PID can be prevented. Um, but here are some of the complications if you don't. Formation of scar tissue 
um, both outside and inside the fallopian tubes that can lead to tubal blockage, uh, ectopic pregnancy, uh, which is pregnancy outside the womb. That's scary, man. Uh, infertility and also long-term pelvic and abdominal pain. Just want, want to share that. You know, I, this is vital information, uh, particularly for, for young people. I know we got some, uh, we're really reaching out to, to young people uh, with the Making a Difference movement. And, you know, you hear these things just kind of rhetorically about being careful. But, you know, you hear stories like that and, Lord, have mercy. Please be careful out here. Not, look, not just the young people, but old, old, uh, older people who are being promiscuous. I want to share a story about killing pain naturally. Uh, African-American-owned company has, is finding solutions to the painkiller abuse epidemic. Uh, let's face it, we've become a nation of pill poppers, particularly of the pain-killing kind, and it's a public health crisis that's raising alarms. A recent Time article shined a spotlight on our current painkillers epidemic. The Food and Drug Administration in 2013 required updated labeling to make use of these medications safer. The administration also mandated that manufacturers study the risk of long-term use. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention released a report late last year that found fatal overdoses involving prescription narcotic painkillers. Drugs such as Oxycontin and Vicodin tripled between 1999 and 2012. Have mercy. Uh, in fact, 44 people in this country die each day from overdoses. That's day, not month, not week, not year, a day. The medical community is also concerned. A Johns Hopkins University study found that 9 out of 10 primary care doctors say they are worried about prescription drug abuse in their communities. At the end of July 27th, major U.S. medical organizations led by the American Medical Association joined forces to end narcotic painkiller abuse. Uh, AMA board chair-elect Patrice Harris, Dr. Patrice Harris, let me give her a due credit, says we have joined together as a part of this special task force because we collectively believe that it is our responsibility to work together to provide a clear roadmap that would help bring an end to this public health epidemic. It is a crisis that Dr. Lenny Lomax, who was the founder of Ultimax Health, was the first African-American-owned pharma and nutraceutical company has had his eye on for a while. That's an impressive feat. Uh, but also, as we speak on and, and really think about African-American health, there are some issues that really need to be brought out into the forefront. Uh, Dr. Lomax, who's an orthopedic, orthopedic surgeon, said we're in the middle of an epidemic that's the worst we've ever seen with narcotic prescription addiction and overdose. When you have 100 million people dealing with chronic pain-related issues, the numbers are staggering. This problem is significant on many levels. From a health cost, from a financial cost, the impact is devastating. Addicted people can't be productive at work. They also can't be good parents. It's a multi-pronged problem, he conceded. Uh, physicians are trained to diagnose and treat. We can't leave people in pain. We have to treat them. And we've been brainwashed into writing prescriptions all the time. If you couple that with aggressive pharmaceutical companies marketing directly to consumers and hand-in-hand -hand with the medical community, uh, developing a pain management specialty, and it's a perfect cocktail for an epidemic. Never want to sit back and just talk about a problem, however. Dr. Lomax founded uh, Ultimax Health to provide solutions. Uh, the first result is uh, Lever or Levar, uh, which is an all-natural pain reliever. He says it's been tested and patented. Uh, there are no side effects, and it works for most types of pain. It says, I'm working with a veteran who has come off of 40 different prescriptions because Levar works. Uh, he says the next step is education and forming partnerships. He says you really have to deprogram and reprogram the minds of people uh, because of the way that people have been taught to think. 
My physician says it's okay. It's FDA approved, so it must be okay. If this physician, who is usually not one of color, says to do this, he's got to be right. Um, we have to educate the clinical community. It's going to take a collective effort. He says we're not against the medical community. We're doctors ourselves or against pharmaceuticals. Uh, some of these are necessary and they work very well. We just don't think we should have a cookie cutter approach to treating. We're healing people and resolving epidemics. We're improving lives. Very impressed. And, you know, when we talk about African-American health and the extent of it is, you know, we, we talk about, you know, eat, you know, eating better and, you know, diabetes. And it's, it's just a, a very limited scope. And we, we really have to open things up. And I commend uh, individuals, you know, individuals of color who are uh, having who have a more uh, a critical eye on not only, you know, health care. Um, you know, in relationship to admit, or, well, really to, to healthcare in regards to uh, how we're, you know, how we're living and different things like that, but the administration of healthcare and the, um, in, uh, of, of healthcare, um, not only, you know, within the structure of, you know, hospitals and places like that, but the things that we're sending home with people and telling them to do, um, you know, oftentimes in, in, in the spirit of profit, which is very sad. Going to close out this segment by talking about what you should eat now, uh, because some produce is actually at its peak in August. How cool is that? Uh, your fruit and vegetable options grow exponentially during summer, with August being one of the best months for, for, for produce, uh, according to the experts. Find a way to include these five in your shopping basket. The first, grapes. Grapes need a wealth of sun and heat to develop their flavors, and they concentrate all their sugars this month. Choose grapes by paying attention to the color and health of the stem. If they are brittle, the grapes will start turning into raisins shortly after you bring them home. But if the stem is flexible and green, these are the ones to buy. And I, I love raisins myself, but that you don't want your grapes turning into raisins. <laughs> melons. Uh, melons last well into fall, even winter, but their peak season is summer. Uh, ripe melons feel heavy and have no bruising. Okra. It's thought of as a southern staple, but it's a yummy addition to foods in any region. Look for small green pods and avoid bruising. Be careful not to overcook it because overcooking okra can give it a slimy texture. Uh, pluots and other stone fruit like cherries, peaches, and plums are at their peak in August. Uh, pluots, which uh, this is, as I'm reading this to you, is my first time ever hearing about it, uh, which look like deep red or forest green plums are especially tasty this month. And tomatoes. Tomatoes need the long, um, hot dog days of summer to develop in flavor. To pick the perfect tomato, select one with bright, shiny, firm skin with a little give when squeezed gently. I don't know how uh, if watermelon falls into uh, summer fruit, but watermelon is one of the healthiest fruits. Well, they said melons is number two, uh, so and I would certainly include watermelons in that piece. So just uh, glad to be able to share uh, the health and wellness piece. Uh, we call it the daily difference. When we come back, gonna share a, a news piece uh, news piece with you. We'll talk about the life and legacy of Julian Bond, and also have some special commentary. For my folks here in Augusta, Richmond County, I want to talk about SPLOS. I want to talk about school, uh, getting back into session. And we're going to address all of those things when we come back after these messages. You're listening to Making a Difference. 
Have you gotten a letter from the IRS about an audit, levy, or tax lien? Worried because you haven't filed taxes in several years? Well, stop worrying and call the tax pros at TaxWise Financial on Tobacco Road. TaxWise Financial is licensed to represent you at all levels of the IRS in any state. From the simple to the complex, professional and affordable representation by TaxWise Financial will help resolve all of your tax issues. Call them at 706-305-1412. TaxWise Financial, the wise choice for all your tax needs welcome back to the all-new liberated edition of making a difference i'm your host ken macon and we're going to jump right into the news got some sad news to kick things off with uh, during this segment civil rights icon julian bond is dead at the age of 75 he's a civil rights activist and longtime board chairman of the naacp uh, passed away uh, sat this uh, past saturday night according to the southern poverty law center uh, Bond died in Fort Walton Beach, Florida, after a brief illness, uh, according to the SPLC. The Nashville, Tennessee native was considered a symbol and an icon of the 1960s civil rights movement. As a Morehouse College student, Bond helped found the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee and as his communications director, he was on the front lines of protests that led to the nation's landmark civil rights laws. Bond later served as board chairman of the 500,000-member NAACP for 10 years, but declined to run again for another one-year term in 2010. The SPLC said Bond was a visionary and tireless champion for civil and human rights. Uh, with Julian's passing, the country has lost one of its most passionate and eloquent voices for the cause of justice, uh, said SPLC co-founder Morris Dees. Uh, he advocated not just for African Americans, but for every group, indeed every person subject to oppression and discrimination, because he recognized the common humanity in us all. Dr. Bond, or maybe uh, Mr. Bond, I, look, he's <laughs> such an icon. I don't, look, I wouldn't be remiss to say Dr. Bond, I don't think. I uh, also served in the Georgia State Legislature and was a professor at American University and the University of Virginia. <clears throat> uh, Mr. Bond is survived by his wife, Pamela Horowitz, a former SPLC staff attorney, his five children, his brother, <laughs> who uh, incidentally is James Bond, and his sister, Jane Bond Moore. Great life, great legacy. It reminds me of two um, occasions uh, involved, you know, in, in just in, in the research and the history of civil rights. I had a chance to go to the Southern uh, Poverty Law Center in Montgomery, Alabama. It was a life-changing event uh, in, in every way, uh, shape, and form. Had a chance to uh, meet uh, Morris Dees, uh, you know, be, be around uh, Morris Dees and the, the group there. If you don't know about the Southern Poverty Law Center, by all means, uh, look, Google it. Also, it's uh, it's on uh, Facebook and other forms of social media. Definitely follow it and, you know, gain that information. It gives you a lot of perspective, not only about the history of civil rights, but uh, a, a very uh, tumultuous present when you look at the, the rise of hate groups in this country ever since the election of Barack Obama in 2008. You, you'll be, the numbers are startling. I also want to talk about uh, that uh, had a chance to make a trip uh, to a modest Epworth, Epworth, South Carolina, um, to see, had a chance to, uh, to visit the boyhood home of Benjamin Mays. Uh, very proud uh, to say that I had a chance to do that. I had a chance to 
uh, attend a, uh, it wasn't my family reunion, but it was, it was a family reunion. I actually took pictures for a group and I, I went to, uh, it's uh, like a, a museum or uh, a museum or kind of a research center. And if you don't know who uh, Dr. Ben Mays was, he was an American black minister, educator, sociologist, social activist, and the president of Morehouse College in Atlanta, Georgia from 1940 to 1967. He was also a mentor uh, to the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And it, it's something because I am. Uh, well, I was born in Augusta, but raised in South Carolina. Uh, my people, uh, look, my, my, my dad's people are from that area, from that, that upstate area. Uh, uh, Dr. Mays was born uh, in 96 South Carolina, uh, in, uh, in Epworth, South Carolina, in, in that area. And my dad's from McDonald's, Due West, that area. It's, it's in, in, in that, that general Greenwood, you know, Greenwood, Abbeville area, about 30 minutes away. But to think that uh, Dr. Mays, you know, to come from the adversity that he came from, a, a very poor rural area, and to have the type of influence to lead arguably the greatest champion of civil rights, maybe in world history, you know, is, is, is humbling. And if you're here in Carolina, particularly if you're in the upstate, if you're anywhere in the area, uh, that's a, that's a stop. Got to make that stop. Um, I, I learned so much. I actually got a little emotional, um, having all that history, uh, you know, coming toward me, man, and just thinking about some of the great things this man had done, uh, really made me look so many crazy things happened in South Carolina. Y'all know the Confederate flags and all this stuff, but you know, it's, it's, it's rare that I get a chance to say, Hey, that's my state. But Dr. Mays is one of those reasons for us to be truly proud of South Carolina. Let me tell you. And I <clears throat> thoroughly enjoyed that, but I just want to get back and just let you know that, uh, again, uh, Dr. Bond, civil rights leader and longtime NAACP chair, dead at the age of 75. <clears throat> Want to essentially close out um, this episode of, of Making a Difference. And let me say this before I, because I'm going to talk about the Augusta Commission. I'm going to talk about the Richmond County School System. But I want to let you know what I'm going to do with schools. And, you know, moving forward, I, it's, it's a good time of the year. Why? Because football is back. And rest assured, we're going to uh, give you some previews, some football previews, not only uh, of the National Football League and, you know, of, you know, uh, professional, professional, and also I should mention uh, college uh, football. We're going to give you those previews, but we're also going to preview uh, some of the local high schools uh, here in the Augusta, Richmond County area, in the two-state area. For those of y'all who are listening, you know, from further out, we have a, a great, great history uh, of football here on both sides of the river uh, in South Carolina and in Georgia. So if you just want to know how football uh, goes here, uh, we'll, we will give you that preview. Uh, going to have to shout out my man, uh, Mike Rosier. Mike reached out to me. I think he had, well, I'm fairly sure Mike is a, uh, his alma mater is a school in uh, Modest Jackson, South Carolina, uh, by the name of Silver Bluff High School. It is incidentally a rival uh, in some ways, a football rival, I would say, uh, of my alma mater. Uh, Aiken High School, but it's more of a it's a, it's a mutual respect. As I look at the the overall history, I think of of schools in this area and how they've done uh, over an extended period of time. Silver Bluff and Aiken's tradition right up there, uh, especially you know the '90s, 2000s, and Silver Bluff and Aiken they were look uh, in, in in contention for many years. Particularly, I know when I graduated from high school in 2001, Aiken had a chance to go to two 
uh, straight championship uh, sh championship games uh, there in football. Uh, has look the the scene has shifted a little bit uh, since then, but hey, you never know what uh what could come of a football season. So I might have to get with Mike and um have and uh, share a preview. I know Mike's uh well versed on uh, what's going on in football, particularly with Silver Bluffs. So we'll have to to do that. And of course, we'll be reaching out to coaches and players and different things like that. So stay tuned. Um, in terms of uh, the sports piece, I want to jump into uh, talking about the Augusta Commission. First thing I want to talk about is I'm really tired. It's 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 getting kind of corny at this point, where people want to talk about the Augusta Commission's travel budget. Now, there's a story here uh, that says that the Augusta Commission has spent up its entire travel budget. Uh, Commissioner Marion Williams. Uh, well, excuse me. Let me let me say this. Let me give you let me give you guys the numbers. I'm just going to jump right into this thing. Um, the 10-member commission has already exceeded its 2015 travel and training budget of $26,300. Now, in governmental terms, that is chump change. That is chump change. And it's, I mean, it's, it's August. Really, you only got four months left. So it's not, I mean, it's not a, you, you can call it mid-year, you can call it what you want. But a lot is made of commissioners leaving Augusta and going out on these ventures to learn more um, about other, you know, other municipalities, other uh, city governments to see how they're doing things, to see what type of projects they have to improve Augusta, Richmond County. I personally have no problem with it. None at all. But you, you know, we continue to hear uh, these stories of the commissioners are spending so much money traveling and, no, what the commissioners are doing is trying to make the city better. And th to me, this is one of the, and, and this certainly not to say that the commissioners are perfect because they're, they're obviously not. And there, there are challenges that are facing, but with all things considered, this commission is moving in the right direction. And the reason why I'm saying that is because this commission is not afraid to make the tough decisions. Tough decisions that in the short term, People are going to be angry about. No one wants to see their taxes go up. No one wants to see or hear that they're going to have to spend a little bit more money. No one wants to do that. But in the grand scheme of things, the commission, they are putting the wheels in motion to make Augusta better, to make it comparable to other cities and other areas that we're seeing growing with more frequency. Everybody says, oh, um, neighboring Columbia County. Columbia County is so nice. We're seeing these things in North Augusta. North Augusta is growing. Why isn't Augusta growing? First of all, Augusta is growing. But the second part of it and, and the piece that people need to understand is, hey, taxes in North Augusta are going up. Taxes in Columbia County are going up. In Columbia County right now, there's a theater named for an esteemed group, a popular group in country music by the name of Lady Annabelle. Lady A. The name of the theater is the Lady A Theater. Now, the Lady A Theater is so successful at this juncture that you have, you have acts, and I will say urban acts, that traditionally set up shop in Augusta, Richmond County. Those acts are starting to set up shop in Evans. Okay, so let's get to the money. How was the Lady A Theater paid for? I'm glad you asked. It was paid for with floss money. It was paid for with funds 
from the special purpose local option sales tax. And so now you have people who are complaining about SPLOS. There's a SPLOS vote coming up in November. But it's like this. If you want nice things, you got to pay for nice things. And these are some of the things that are coming up in SPLOS that are coming up in some of these discussions. If you want to have commissioners who are insightful, who are aware, who are cutting edge, then they're going to have to take these trips. I'm sick of hearing about $26,000 in eight months. It's really not. It's it's three thousand dollars a month in travel a month between ten commissioners, so it's yeah. My commissioner spent three commissioners on average spending three hundred dollars a month on travel. So what? I mean, can that can that be cut? I'm sure it can, but I am not stressing about it. I, to me. The, to me, energy, the more energy, if you, if you spend the energy, if you spend the, the, the salt that it takes to be frustrated on making sure that the funds that commissioners and that city officials do collect, making sure that those funds are being maximized and that, those funds, that, that, they're, that commissioners are being accountable for those funds, if you focus on that, to me, you'll have a more successful community. That's like the discussion we've had extensively about stormwater. Uh, uh, commissioners are collecting a rain tax. Now, say what you want. They're collecting that rain tax water to be able to make some vital improvements for flooding, which is sorely needed in Augusta, Richmond County. But you have people who, you know, would would rather complain, would rather say, oh, we don't need that. The devil's a lie. We do need it. And I commend the commissioner for for, for stepping up and 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 making that call. <clears throat> but let me let me continue on with this piece uh, because, as I mentioned, the uh, ten member commission has already exceeded its uh, travel budget of twenty six thousand three hundred. Uh, they uh, this is always a story to me to take pot shots at one of my favorite commissioners, but arguably my favorite commissioner. I'm not look. I'm I'm here. Look, this is a liberated edition of making a difference. I don't have to look. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say how I feel. Why do I think uh, Commissioner Lockett's a good commissioner? Because he's a commissioner that speaks to the concerns of Augusta. He's a, a District 5 commissioner, a darn good commissioner, but I feel comfortable of sending people from District 1, District 2, District 8, whatever, whatever district, in his direction, and he'll say, hey, this is uh, what you need to do. Uh, always on the move, but uh, Commissioner Lockett's 2015 travel and meal expenses excluding airfare, registration fees, and accommodations, have reached $1,700. Uh, he has slowed his rate of travel and training over 2014 and 2013 when he racked up more than 20 trips and collected nearly 10000 in per diem checks. But if you walk up to uh, Commissioner Lockett, you know what you're going to get? You're going to get a very informed commissioner. And some of these commissioners are so short-sighted that I hate to say it, hey, send them out of town. Look, get look, help help them learn something. <laughs> and if if it's gonna cost look three hundred dollars a month for a commissioner to have some insight, I'm not mad at that. Just saying. Um, but uh, commissioners have been known to dip into uh, other sources of funds to cover their excursions. Uh, just before Jackson, and this is a uh, city administrator Janice Allen Jackson. Um, just before she began work last year, uh, C- Commissioner uh, Marion Williams. Uh, Bill Lockett and Alvin Mason traveled to a National Association of Counties conference in New Orleans. Uh, Commissioner Lockett and Commissioner Bill Fenoy 
I hit up a National League of Cities convention in Austin, Texas last year using the same account. Uh, the year's costliest conventions remain the in-state biannual events held by Association County Commissioners of Georgia and the Georgia Municipal Association. So it's not like they're going to the Bahamas with this money. Um, as a city and county, taxpayers pay Augusta's dues to both organizations, and most commissioners attend both groups' events. Um, Augusta's budget for commissioner travel is smaller than that of Columbia County. Ooh. With half the number of members, five, the Columbia County uh, Commission has a six, uh, $60,000 travel and training budget. Uh, Augusta's travel records didn't, don't include anything like the more than $10,000 trip by two Columbia County commissioners and several staff members to New York City recently. Uh, commissioner said his purpose was to improve the county's bond rating. To me, it's much ado about nothing. The bigger discussion and the conversation that needs to be had is the conversation about the Special Purpose Local Option Sales Tax, or SPLONS. Now, here's a, a big piece of SPLONS, and commissioners are getting ready to wrap up uh, the uh, allocations and how they're going to put together the SPLONS. And it, the rhetoric and the commentary it looks like it's going toward the commissioners not including nonprofits in the SPLONS package. I'm going to say it right now. Everybody says what they think the kiss of death is going to be for SPLONS, and oh, because commissioners... Uh, pass the storm order fee and pass some property taxes fee that SPLOS won't pass. Mm -mm. What will kill SPLOS is if commissioners do not include the nonprofits. And if you want to call it buying votes, yeah, call it buying votes. If there are concerns about moving forward, uh, making sure that the nonprofits uh, have a contingency plan to make sure that, you know, that, that they take care of business in-house, then Okay, do that. But this year, as important as Floss is, you cannot, and I mean cannot, leave out the nonprofits. Had a great guest on Making a Difference previously, uh, Miss Elizabeth Jones. As a matter of fact, we have her interview up right now on YouTube. You can, I'm going to tell you how to get uh, go directly to the YouTube channel. Uh, if you go to the uh, the Facebook page, that's facebook.com slash uh, backslash making a difference show, M-A-K-I-N, a different show. Uh, you can click on where it says watch video. And go down and it says go to link, and you that'll take you right to the YouTube page and look for the interview with uh, Miss Elizabeth Jones. Great interview. She spoke about how the nonprofits are basically um, as much as a part of the infrastructure of the community as your roads and buildings. And I totally agree with her. I thought it was a, a great conversation, a great insight, a great dialogue. And for the commissioners to take out that piece of infra infrastructure. I think would be damaging to the entire project, to the to at least for the pass among voters. You need the votes. You need the support of, you know, your Shilohs, of your Augusta Mini Theaters. And I understand, you know, some people say, well, how's the, you know, the money maybe spent this way, the money may, okay, I get all that. But you need the votes. Period. Votes coming up in November. It is toward the end of August. You got August, September, October, November. And I can tell you right now, for the next three months, they're going to catch the devil from Sploss haters. Going to have to make a play. And the play is to keep the nonprofits um, in, in action. I want to, uh, while, I'm, while I'm talking about that, let me shout out Urban Pro Weekly. I uh, have, uh, have a chance to do uh, weekly commentaries uh, with Urban Pro. Uh, if you're listening to this broadcast, I want you to go to Facebook. And look up Urban Pro, that's U-R-B-A-N, Pro, P-R-O, Weekly. 
uh, W-E-E-K-L-Y on Facebook. I want you to like it. Um, like and support UPW. It's a publication. I'm out of uh, the Augusta, Georgia area that caters to the African-American community. Um, they also house uh, my weekly uh, commentaries and columns. Uh, they are also available online. So, hey, it doesn't matter where you are. Uh, you, may, you, you may be here in Augusta. You can pick up a physical copy. But if you're not in Augusta, hey, you can uh, check out uh, weekly editions of UPW online from the Facebook page. So take, take advantage of that opportunity to promote those of you all who are obviously engaged in the news because you're listening to this show. Um, that is a, a, a supplementary piece um, to many of the topics that we talk about here. With that said, uh, we're going to close out today's edition of Making a Difference by talking about the Richmond County school system, and I won't keep you guys long with this. I want to encourage patients because even now there are stories about uh, the Augusta Richmond County, the bus routes. Um, I understand that they are they're in flux. There are concerns about uh, some of the kids, and you know, maybe their their routes are a little later. I just want to say, be patient. And <laughs> look for for people to basically calm down. It's the it's the start of the school year, and what you have is you have a very insightful, intelligent, and powerful superintendent, Dr. Angela Pringle who has a vision for the school system. Ride the wave. Trust, trust this um, young lady who's over, who's over the school system. We uh, previously did an interview with her. We're going to post that interview um, to the Making a Difference Facebook page. I really want you all to listen to that interview, especially if you're here in Augusta, Richmond County, uh, to hear some of the insights and some of the things that she has planned. Be patient. I'm all, you know, we're hearing these stories, you know, and there's there's a double standard. There really is between Richmond and Columbia County on, on a lot of different fronts. But in, and one of those fronts includes education. Things happen in Columbia County. There have been there was an incident where there were some knuckleheads who uh, posted something on Snapchat, almost like a almost like a bomb threat or some kind of threat. They posted that and everybody made it made it like the, it was a flower bomb. Like it, like it, the bomb would go off and, and it would grow flowers or something. Richmond County can't, can't get the buses right. It's not like the gates of hell bust open. So just the, the, the level of coverage, is there's a double standard there. But if you're in Richmond County, I want to encourage patients. I also want to share with you uh, uh, the protocol. That's the, I'll put it that way, protocol. If you have issues with the school system, I understand you want to reach out to the media, and that's important. But really, when you do that, you you do yourself a disservice. Reaching out to the media should be a last resort. There are protocols in place for you to get the help that you need. The first is simply this number, 706-826-1000. That's the, school, that's the number to the school system, 706-826-1000. You can ask for student services. You can also ask... For uh, your school, your school board trustee, um, their number. Those numbers are also listed at www.rcboe.org, www.rcboe.org, and you can reach out to school board trustees. These things happen all the time, and you know who we never hear from? We never hear from the school board trustees. You you may hear from the superintendent. You may hear from someone who's in communications. But those individuals are there. They are there to serve you. They're there to serve the public. So reach out to them. 
Uh, and that's what it's going to take. It's going to take um, us having these uh, these conversations in the community. It's going to take, uh, obviously, you know, shows such as Making a Difference um, to, to be able to spread this information. And, th and that's what I'm going to do. I want you all to stay tuned um, to many of the things that, that we have that we're going to present. I'm very excited about. Uh, we have a, an, e an email a chain that's going out right now. I want to give you the the face um, the excuse me the email address if you want to be a part um, of the uh, the making a difference um, email list. Uh, my email is making a difference show m a k i n a difference show s h o w at gmail.com. Again, it's making a difference show at gmail.com. If you get, if you uh, hop on that email list, um, as we send out information about the show, as we send out announcements, you all are going to get that and you're going to be abreast and you're going to be aware of what's going on in Augusta, Richmond County, and quite possibly know about what's going on in the state of Georgia. And we're going to throw in some national news and pieces in there as well. Thoroughly enjoyed this podcast. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed um, this opportunity to uh, reach out to the community. Um, I told you guys making a difference wasn't going anywhere. Uh, to be quite honest with you, the the outpouring of love really in, in the week since uh, we uh, had hopped off the air, uh, hopped off of, uh, of of radio. Everybody's like, where's the show? Where's the show? What are you going to do? What's going to happen? And so uh, this is what we're going to do. So more than ever, it's going to be up to the community to spread the word about what we're doing online. But I can assure you um, that we are committed uh, here at Making a Difference um, to making sure um, that you all have what you need on a local level, on a state level, and on a national level. And with that, I'm going to sign off. want to tell you guys I love you so much. I'm Ken Macon. Uh, this has been Making a Difference. Stay tuned for more episodes. And want to say with that, peace and God bless. I'm Augusta Mayor Hardy Davis. You're listening to Making a Difference with Ken Macon.